this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. After the Great Expulsion in 1755, Acadians arrived from the Canadian Maritime Provinces in Louisiana and settled along the bayous where crawfish were abundant. According to Cajun legend, after the Acadian now-called Cajuns were exiled in 1700 from Nova Scotia, the lobsters yearned for the Cajuns so much that they set off across the country to find them. Their journey was so treacherous that the lobsters began to shrink in size, and by the time they found the Cajuns in Louisiana, they had shrunk to the size they are now. Upon their arrival, festivals were held in their honor, and what was once known as a smaller lobster was now called crawfish. Also known as mud bugs, Native Americans were first eating the shellfish long before the Europeans arrived. Local tribes would put reeds baited with deer meat into creeks and ponds to catch the crawfish. This week, we are joined by the master chef, Mr. From the Crawfish Bowl, Mr. Ridge Angel Angeline, the our local coonass, yeah, our Cajun <laughs> that that drove uh, all the way to Louisiana because he insisted they had to be Louisiana crawfish to pick up. How many pounds did we end up with, Ridge? Oh, we came back with uh, just under two hundred and seventy pounds. There's like two sixty eight, and we had yeah, about ten sacks. And it all 30 to 40 pound sacks, man. And it was all gone. It was good. It was very good. And he managed to make it all the way back from Louisiana with all of them a lot. And no tickets. Yeah. That is, that, that, that really is. That's the miracle of the whole entire crawfish bowl, man. We were expecting to lose at least 20 to 30 pounds, and somehow they all came back alive. I think we lost maybe six or seven crawfish the whole time. Yeah, it was pretty good. I, I I was, well, you said they were really fresh, right? They they like the night. Yeah, before they you were. Picked them up. They were caught the. They were caught. They were probably caught three hours before I picked them up at nine o'clock in the morning. They were probably caught at three, four o'clock that same morning. Jeez, they, I did find one dead in my boat. Like a couple of days later, I did too. Oh, I, found, I, found I found three dead ones. <laughs> Some escapees. I found about That's twelve right. dead ones in my garage. So. <laughs> <laughs> That was a constant battle throughout the day. Like, hey, that one's getting away. Go get it. Yeah, when we came yeah. up with all of them from the boat, uh, like some escapees out of the boat got put into a plastic bag. And then we walked over to my truck to go get some more stuff, walked back to Pavilion. And I'm like, why is there a crawfish 10 feet out from Pavilion out here in the grass? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even have any sacks of crawfish up there yet, but Briar or somebody coming up from the boats had brought some up in like a Walmart bag and then didn't tie the top of the Walmart bag. So there was about 10 crawfish just wandering around the pavilion up there. <laughs> so, Ridge, you know, as being born a Cajun, do, they, do you come out of the womb and they hand you, like, you know, a, a thing to cook crawfish in? Or? No, actually, when I was born, I came out of the room, a womb with a crawfish head in my mouth and a tail in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what my, that's what my mom always told me, at least. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, your mom, she really made that crawfish bowl running around just being typical oh, yeah. Louisiana mama, getting on to everybody, thinking we knew everybody there. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> she asked me at one point, she's like, how many people do you know? I'm like, there's a very large amount of people. I have no idea who they are. The majority of them <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah, and I mean, she 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 played a big part in that, man. She helped us stay organized. She let us know what we needed. So, I mean, a big shout out to her for being there, especially nope. for the whole thing when she didn't have to. No kidding. She was she was a big help. Yeah. And we had uh, a little over 80 people show up, right about 80 people or so, which was a really great turnout. We had a really good day. We had a last-minute hiccup uh, where we had to change our location uh, four days before the crawfish boil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. It Monday. Was like the it was Monday Saturday. before. Yeah, so four or five days before the crawfish boil, which uh, made for a extremely, extremely stressful Monday for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no kidding. I'm the one that got the text. Yeah. <laughs> 6.30 in the morning on Monday. I'm like, as if work wasn't enough. Yeah. But we I managed to. I to sit back and watch the whole thing. Yeah. We we managed to find a new location, moved it down uh, really like 10 minutes away from your house, and then uh, let her have it. It turned out really well. Yeah, I mean, it did, dude. It turned out really good. We, I mean, I was surprised and just think that was our first one. We're going to have so many more of these. How many more people are going to come? And what blew my mind the most was that people are traveling from so far away. Like, we had that group from Miami, pretty sure I was told. That was That was nuts to me that... We're reaching people all the way to the end, basically the end of America. Like, if you're, I, mean, I guess the keys are technically that. But, and I think changing that location uh, was probably the best thing for, uh, or a really good thing for the last minute because it would have been pretty difficult to accommodate, uh, really accommodate the crawfish. Like, I guess I wasn't really familiar with it, but it could have been could have turned out pretty difficult to accommodate it all and keep it alive if it wasn't so close. Cause going to the back of a truck, my uncle, he was telling me, cause I haven't transported them a lot, but he was telling me an hour, 30 minutes to an hour. If those crawfish are getting, getting a lot of wind coming on them, driving down the road, even in your town, he said, you're going to lose a lot of them just from that. And that was kind of something that worked out in our favor. That's the way I see it. Yeah. Having that, uh, actual like water source itself too really helped us out too because we were going to have to buy like a big ibc tank and we wouldn't really had the water pressure that we had mm-hmm. so having that actual water supply really worked out for us too so ridge who do you know in the shrimp business <laughs> who do i know in the shrimp business but just about everybody in the crawfish business <laughs> well <laughs> <laughs> We're if thinking, you want to know someone in the shrimp business, just go to any gas station in Louisiana. Pretty much same thing with crawfish. Best food you ever get from Louisiana comes from your gas station. Oh, he's Something not like kidding, South man. Georgia. He's not kidding about that. We, I go to Louisiana quite a bit that they have restaurants with four-star chefs working out of gas stations, man. That, Incredible. It's, yeah, yeah it's, it's awesome. That is the best place in America for food. Yeah, we tossed around the idea of uh, doing a shrimp boil later this summer. Doing it all over again with something a little different. Bring it home back to Florida and do some shrimp. Yeah. I mean, that definitely sounds like it would be a fun idea. I could definitely get down with that. And uh, you know me. Shrimp, man, I'm going to throw down just like I did with crawfish. I'll say I'm not going to be able to move after. If he can throw down on those shrimp like he did on those crawfish, son. We, I mean, those crawfish, they were finger-licking good. So how... uh how top secret is that recipe? Uh, honestly, man, I mean, I was telling you, I was telling you there, 
from from what we found, the best the best things that the be, the best seasoning that we've that personally I love the most, which is what I use there. My uncle who taught me how to cook crawfish, my grandpa who always used it was the Great Louisiana Crawfish Boil, and you can get it on on Amazon. You can get it pretty much any gas station, any store, anywhere in Louisiana. And so believe it or not, there's a, maybe one or two uh, WalMarts here, like in Volusia County, that uh, I have found it at. But I found like two bags. Like it was weird. But it's that that's the main thing. And then you kind of spruce it up with whatever you like. Like me, like I, some people, some people are are weird. Some people are sinners, and they put hot dogs in their crawfish. It's weird. Uh, some people put sausage, which I can get down with sausage. It's, it's got to be the right type of sausage to be cooked in there with it. Some people do different vegetables. Like I've seen people put as far as like okra in there. You know, not okra. I didn't mean to say that. Uh, bell peppers in there. And that's just that people do different things. But the way we've always done it is onions, garlic. You got your potatoes, your seasoning, and your corn. And it's simple and it's delicious. It was cool. We did we did throw some sausage in there too on top of the Yeah. I feel like uh hot dogs and in, in your that's something a Yankee would do. Do we threw hot some dogs. hot dogs in there for the kids? Yeah, but not hot dogs in with your crawfish. Right in the dirty water, man. Well, when we well, made we, when we made our water. hot dogs, we cleaned it out and used just regular yeah. regular water to make the hot dogs in. Just oh, in case. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, we didn't throw it in with the crawfish. I wouldn't dare taint the crawfish with hot dog water yeah just yeah. it almost seems like yeah. as much of a sin as putting pineapple on a pizza pretty much hey man pineapple on pizza is delicious it's not all right well, we the podcast is over that's why you're yeah that's why you're on the phone and not in person. <laughs> you're eating flatbread well if i recall that's probably your fault jordan but it's all right Ooh. yeah it was wasn't it yeah this was supposed to be done a week ago but i don't know oh. what you're talking about you know, going back to Louisiana food, man, I don't know what it is about about Louisiana because they have – you were talking about Louisiana brand crawfish boil and all those Louisiana brand, brand products are awesome. But whenever I go over there and just go walk through the grocery stores, there's all kinds of, you know, gumbo bases or etouffee bases and there are all these local brands that have pretty good – pretty sizable store presence but only – in and around Louisiana or New Orleans, um, but even having the red beans, it's just it's it's amazing that that I can't believe that 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 industry, that Louisiana food industry, hasn't become more mainstream throughout the entire country. Because it's I don't know anybody that doesn't like Cajun or Creole food, and there is a difference between Cajun and Creole. What's the difference yeah. between Cajun uh, and Creole? Tomatoes. No, actually, a lot of times it is. The, <laughs> if you really want to get into the, the talk to people, like, and I'm, I'm Ridge, correct me if if you feel differently, but the the Cajun food is a lot of times going to be made with coarser ingredients. It might be made with, you know, chicken, rougher sausages, probably heavier spiced. It's going to tend to be a little bit more brown. Um, where your Creole food's going to have the things like the shrimp and the uh, and a little bit more, you know, peppers and and certainly more tomatoes <clears throat> would be more of a a Creole style cooking. Um, at least that's how it's been explained to me. Yeah. And, and I would, that, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty spot on. I mean, Cajun, it is real dark. It is heavily spiced. There's always a little bit more spiciness. Uh, Cajun actually derives from 
French style of cooking and Creole comes from the Haitian style, like the Haitian French side of cooking. That's why when it comes to like Creole, you got the tomatoes, the more acidic citrusy flavors, because those are things that were very cheap because I mean, a lot of us know that Louisiana, when it, all the way back in history has been a very poor bear, like very, very poor state. And I mean, truly that's what I think where I think the the culture of Louisiana food comes from is when when you ain't got no money, when you ain't got nothing to do but work, the only other thing you can do is sleep and eat. And in order to eat, you got to cook, and you're going to grow your own food if you're poor. So you're using fresh ingredients. They're, they're learning. It was trial and error throughout our I main the entire history of Louisiana, and it still is. Like people are perfecting it. There's these chefs that are coming into the industry and focusing just on Cajun food or just on Creole. You don't really ever find a mix of both, and that's what's great about them because they're both delicious. They're two totally different styles, but they're both from the same uh, the same state. And not a lot of the times, you won't even find them that far apart. Like you'll almost everything in New Orleans is going to be Creole, which is going to be the Haitian inspired everywhere else you'll find creole sprinkled in there but it's going to be mostly cajun especially when you get closer towards baton rouge or you start going uh east that's where that's going to come from dude cracklins give give us give us a little dissertation on the difference between the typical gas station crackling that somebody might run into in georgia or south carolina or florida versus an honest to god crackling oh man i mean nothing there's there's not even much I can say because nothing compares to a crackling like fresh you know just handed to you hot in that paper bag doesn't say nothing on it you're in an old gas station beat up you can smell them there's nothing better than biting into that hot crackling you get that crunch but then you get that softness of the rendered uh the rendered fat on it and then like more crunch it's it's unbelievable it's horrible as they are for you and they're so delicious and I can only, I can't, I can never just eat like one or two. It's got to be almost a whole dang bag. How do you really describe it though? It's because a lot of people, I think when they think of cracklings are thinking like pork rinds and I've actually seen yeah, a, term, a, a less fluffy pork rind sold as a crackling. And I'm like, that's a travesty. That's not <laughs> even close. How would you describe yeah. it? Yeah. So the way that I would describe it is it's a thicker layer of fat it's a fresher cut of meat and obviously it's cooked different it's not going to be fried to where it's so dry what they're trying to do is heat it up heat it up render that fat a little bit so you got that crispness of like a skin and then you got the thick thick layer of fat that you're just biting into and it's almost creamy like it just melts in your mouth it's delicious bro like like it's it's in the bacon family but it's like, but bacon would be if it was better. Yeah, and that's almost hard to do. But they found out a way to do it. I wish, I wish, like all you people listening to this could see the expression I just made with my face because I don't know that you. How are you going to make bacon better? Oh, I'm telling you, man, you'd walk, you would write walk pat right walk walk right past a pound of bacon to get to the cracklings. Wouldn't even oh, slow yeah. down at the bacon. I have never had a like true crackling. You say cracklings, and I'm thinking pork, like pork skins, pork rinds, Mm-mm. right? No, never had one. No, and then you got that, and you got the. Uh, oh my goodness! Now I'm having a. Um, help me out, Ridge. The. Uh, the meatballs. Um, You're not talking about boudin, are you? 
Oh my God! Exactly, boudin balls. Goodness. Okay. Holy. So, boudin ball. That's the thing is, I'm not a big fan of boudin balls. I like them, but I'll never take a take a boudin ball over just a link of boudin. Speaking of that, yeah, Jordan still, still get has mine. some in my freezer, and I just told my wife that if you don't pick them up by next Thursday, I'm giving them to her father-in-law. Oh, <laughs> I don't have a vehicle, so. Oh well, you got an Uber. <laughs> Uber. Order an Uber to Ridge's house. When the Uber shows up, hand him the boudin, <laughs> and then just give him Jordan's address and send him on the way. Yeah, Perfect. to Uber Eats. <laughs> but yeah, man, boudin, boudin is so good. Um, believe it or not, I'm not. I've never been a big fan of cheese, but this last like cheese in my boudin. But this last time. Uh, same place we got the crawfish. They had boudin. I got this pepper jack boudin, and it was delicious. And for those of you who don't really know what boudin is, um, think of jambalaya. If you know what jambalaya is, it's like a rice. It's got it's a little bit darker. It's got a roux in it, but it's not a, a it's not a soupy uh, dish at all. Rice, chicken, sausage. That's your basic ingredients of it. Um, that stuffed into a casing and it's just delicious and they make it fried in balls or you can get it in a link where it's been steamed or boiled my favorite's crawfish boudin uh nothing beats it especially if you get it from this little store little gas station hole in the wall in new rose louisiana it's called bajerons and it is out of this world it's my favorite place to go every time i go back home <clears throat> yeah i had my first experience with boudin uh, when I lived up in uh, Kentucky, my buddy would get it from the Piggly Wiggly. That's the only place you could get decent boudin up there was from Piggly Wiggly. And we used to take it out with us. Uh, we would go out and hunt because we, we'd go out and hunt the public land up there. We would stay all day wherever we parked. So we'd go hunt in the morning, and then we'd come back to the truck, and we'd fire up the little propane stove, pull out a cast iron skillet, open up the cooler we either had you know a lot of times we were gonna make breakfast right so we had a i had a uh still have a percolator that i made coffee in uh and then he would like grab some of that boudin throw it in the cast iron skillet get it fried up cook some eggs in there with it eat all that for breakfast maybe make some biscuits with it cover the skillet up make a few biscuits sounds great dude it was good it was good we were we would we would break necks if we were parked on the side of the road because you would pass us, it's uh, 10, 30, 11 o'clock, and we get down to the tree stand, get back. We had like one of those little tents you could stand up, like you would take to like a, a kid's baseball game. Mm-hmm. We'd stand that sucker up, pull all our chairs underneath it, set the thing out on top of the cooler, little stove out on top of the cooler. Everybody drives past, we're all sitting there in lawn chairs cooking lunch. I literally watched a guy drive past on the wrong side of the road. Because he was why he was looking at us instead of looking where he was going. It was great. Had people stop, turn around, come back. What are y'all doing? Making breakfast, man. You want some? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't mind, sit down, pull up a chair. <laughs> so, I gotta go ahead and give a shout out to Ridge for this whole even crawfish boil idea. Because I mean, I, I was at work one day and Ridge texted me. He's like, yo, we should have a crawfish boil. I'm like, dude, let's do it. And then, you know, we had some little hiccups here and there. And six months later, or shoot, probably even further than that. This was, well, uh, 
when he first posted it to the group, the Under Pressure Outdoors group, no. that was back at the beginning of this year. So it was about a three and a half month time span. When he first posted it up, he's like, we can sell tickets for 50 bucks. I was like, hey. Yeah. We ain't going to be able to do that. But we that did. That was me assuming people are eating how much I eat. Right. If everybody came and ate 10 pounds, we would have to sell them for $50 a piece. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But we ended up with about a little more than three pounds per person, which turned out to be plenty because there were some people that ate a bunch and there were some people that didn't. And pretty much anybody that wanted to take some home with them got to take some home with them. Didn't tell them no. So if they asked, we sent them home. And then we saw guys, uh, Justin made crawfish omelets. Oh, yeah. The next yeah. morning. Those look banging, man. Those look oh, so dude, good. They did. I don't know, man. When it was you, me, and Sid sitting around that cooler, picking at them, just reaching in, getting them, picking them one at a time, one at a time, talking and yammering, drinking. You know, I noticed that the crawfish, the whole I mean, we're talking that sixty-five quart. That's, cooler. that's a seventy-five quart. Yeah. Yeah, it was half full when we started. By the time I threw in the towel on that, after already eating, I don't know how many piles of crawfish on my own, but by the time we walked away from that thing, it was only about. You know, well, it's quarter full. I mean, we, <laughs> we we ate thirty gallons of crawfish well, sitting there. It started about uh, halfway, and then we ate it down. And Ridge dumped a fresh pot into the cooler while we were yeah. still standing there, and then we ate it down some more. And, and that was about a quarter of it left. Like, yeah, you know, going into it, I was like, "Man, this is gonna be fun. We're gonna get to socialize and all this kind of stuff." And then, like, the further we got into it, I was like. All right, cool. I don't get to socialize with anybody because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> there's a lot of stuff to do. But no, like looking forward to it. I, I'm looking forward to uh, to doing more stuff like that. It was a lot of fun. It, it was good to take all that crawfish, dump it out on the table, and see everybody gather around, sit down like one big old family. And yeah, just I, I love that, you know, the classic crawfish, dump it all out on the table because it, it allowed everybody to just kind of congregate you know you you had all these 80 plus people that you know fair majority of them didn't know anybody before and then everybody's sitting in one line of tables so you get you know you get a chance for everybody to kind of talk to each, talk to people you'd never met before yeah, everybody was talking and eating crawfish and everybody it was a good time that doesn't get yeah, that's the that. that's the that's the true louisiana way right there i mean that's how i've always known doing it how i grew up doing it is you lay out your paper on your table, you dump it. There ain't no rules. You ain't worried about germs. Everyone's just grabbing your crawfish, being happy and fellowshipping and getting along, man. That's that's what it's all about right there. It's everyone coming together and just having a good time. You know, I think that's a whole thing of, like, the outdoor aspect of what we try and get out as well, is that so much of what we do is about camaraderie. It's like about the, community. The, yeah. The people that you get to meet, the time you get to spend with those people, and the stories that you get to make with those people. It was a lot of fun. Uh, the first crawfish bowl I ever went to <clears throat> was held in the empty lot next to my house uh, in Kentucky. Um, my buddy Charlie had gone down and got some crawfish from the local seafood store that had them shipped in from Louisiana. So he didn't have to drive all the way to Louisiana. But they also didn't have to come near as far to get to us in Tennessee on the Tennessee side as they did to come all the way down to Florida. So I think from where we were at, we'd have had to drive about six hours to pick them up fresh in Louisiana instead of how long was your trip? 
Uh, ended up being after I me mean, just making our normal stops. I think it was it wasn't even that bad. We made good time, like ten and a half hours. Yeah, that's not bad. Not too bad. That's a that's a long ways to go to turn and burn like you did though. Yeah, I mean it's it, the only horrible part about it is that seventy percent of your trip is all in Florida. Yeah, <laughs> up seventy five yeah. to I ten I ten across I ten. Yeah. You burn through Alabama and Mississippi quick. People don't realize. Yeah, that it takes longer to drive from Key West through Pensacola than it does to drive across Texas. Texas yeah. is not the longest drive in the lower 48 is Florida in terms of distance and time. It it would take you less time to drive from where we're at to Tennessee than it would for you to drive from I tell you what, though, Key man, West that, to, to that, uh, that trip right there, I made it. Not, I don't know exactly where Ridge was, but I've made it to uh, New Orleans. That is a beautiful drive. I mean, yeah. it's just... Some of the stuff you see along the way is gorgeous. But the the first one I ever went to, we had it in that empty lot there, and we had just a bunch of friends around, gathered around, all the crawfish, people I'd never met, a lot of Charlie's family. And it ended up, it ended with like 10 kids under six years old playing in a literal clay pit mud puddle in the backyard, just covered <laughs> from head to toe in orange Kentucky clay. Some straight southern stuff. Oh yeah, it was yeah. great. It was some, great. Some, somewhere on them, there's clay still there. Oh, I'm one sure. of the kids still got it behind the ears and the fingernail. I assure you. I think I still got some mud in my toes from 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 Arkansas. That gumbo mud. Oh. Ironically enough, Charlie actually had a crawfish boil the same day we did in Georgia. <laughs> and what, the the funny part about it is, is I was talking to him about what he paid per pound for per for crawfish. And uh, by driving from here to Louisiana, we saved about 85 cents a pound versus where he picked it up local, having it shipped over. Dang, that's pretty and good that includes that, that, inclu- right that includes the cost of gas. I Sheesh. factored the cost of gas into it. You know, I, I think the fact of having, like, Ridge choosing to drive all the way was, like, part of the novelty of the boil. Like, people are like, man, somebody drove all the way to Louisiana to get these like you know they they generally they're going to come from Louisiana anyways but people are thinking like man somebody like these are live like literal fresh crawfish still alive somebody who was at that boil made the journey yeah yep the man who was cooking it and that yeah, was a sure. heck of a dang pot you had them things into <clears throat> yeah that was a yeah. big old pot oh my goodness we're investing in one <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was I was happy with that because it was an upgrade for me by like forty quarts. Because I mean, since my old one got broken the move, I was happy to have to buy that big one, and it's definitely turned out to be a good thing. Because you know, if we were cooking in uh, the two other pots, we would have been there for a lot longer of a time. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Do you kind of Brian, that- Brian's pot? Brian's pot was getting it done though. Huh? That thing was a beast, you know. Even with it turning, turning off, off every, <laughs> you know, 30 minutes. Yeah, keep, fit, fit, they get a timer for 15-minute timer. Yeah, I'd go ahead and disable that. I ain't figured that out yet. But it's <laughs> it was – how big is that pot you had? That is a 100-quart pot. Ooh, that's a big old pot. Woo. I was going to say, I don't know if me or Briar could have taken a bath in it, but Jordan could have. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Use that thing like a hot tub. Yeah. 
<laughs> so is that the biggest crawfish bowl you've ever attended? Um, biggest I've attended. Probably no, a wedding, but right? uh, yeah, it was definitely a wedding <laughs> or a family uh, reunion. No, the wedding was like I think it was like two hundred people. Like there was there's and they were all That's Louisiana people, so there was over a thousand pounds of crawfish. <laughs> Jeez. You know, a little so, this morning we could do that. We just got a, not a fifteen bucks, man. Like we did a little subsidizing of that event, but if we charge a fair price, I bet we could still put two hundred people in a park like that, and knock it out next year. That would be Easy. that would be pretty tough. We'd probably have to get more than both of those big pavilions. Yeah, oh, just yeah. to have the seating capacity. A third just to cook them at. But it it. I, I am not a hundred percent set on staying at that park. Um, I don't blame you. It was it was great. It worked out really well, and I it is definitely always going to be on my list to use it because it, there's nice, easy boat ramp access, uh, run up and down the St. Johns or whatever you want to do. Um, but the one thing that one of the big things we had at our original location was the ability to actually swim in yeah. clear, clean water. Well, I mean, if you mm. had a boat there. And a small enough boat, the Wakava wasn't that far. But the thing was... I took my boat to the Wakava that day. I was going to say, but the thing was, you had to leave the boil to do that. Yeah, that was the only thing. Originally, the original location, you wouldn't have had to leave the boil. It was a pretty nice swimming area there and right there, but that was different, so... We'll find something. There's always there, there's a lot of places up in the in the forest and other WMAs around us that have clear lakes you can swim in with beaches. I mean, kind of eliminates the boat aspect of it. But in all reality, the majority of the boats that showed up belonged to the guys in the Under Pressure Outdoors crew. Three of the what five boats? Yeah, six. So about half, if you count Steve Christians. But he was actually staying in the park and had got out and ran uh, up to St. John's and down the you know, like that, that morning. Having that little dock too, and, and and having our three boats there kind of worked out because I I noticed like throughout the boil I'd peek down there, and people had wandered from the boil to kind of check out the boats, just to so. see how you know they they run. Yeah, They've well, heard plenty of stories about how yours doesn't, and they wanted to see yeah. if it actually made it made it there. It made well, it across the river I mean, and back. I mean, it, it had a real far trip to go. So yeah, <laughs> was it about six hundred yards. Yeah. Something I'll like tell that. you, my uh, I got back to the other side, and my boat winch took a complete dump. Like, wouldn't even... Because I got the trailer. I put it in a little further than I normally would, and I ran it up, and it hit the front of the trailer, and it kind of bounced off a little bit. And one of the ladies was like, that's that's the way to do it. There you go. You got it. I was like, that's the only way I can do it by myself. <laughs> like, <laughs> this thing doesn't... You can't back the trailer down. You You pretty much have to dry load that boat. And uh, I got it up, and I was like, oh, I'm going to crank it up this extra, you know, foot. Nope. Winch took a dump. Mm-hmm. I got, I pulled it out just like, I hooked the safety chain up to it, pulled it out just like that, and ratchet strapped the front of the boat down to the trailer. <laughs> so it wouldn't bounce. Is that how it still sits right now? Yeah. Probably. Yeah, under my carport, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, <clears throat> that winch was due to be replaced anyway. Didn't it have a knot tied in the rope somewhere? Yeah, that's what I said. At least the boat's far enough away to where I'm going to replace winch. Yeah, it's uh, the, I mean, they're not expensive. Twenty bucks. I have Walmart. one at the house. I oh well, you just been lazy. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you go get you one of those uh, electric, electric, electric ones from no, uh, no, like Harbor to. Freight? I need to. And then you can do it by yourself. Yeah. 
Shoot, I would have put one of them on mine. I'll say, talk about a dry load. Sound, I could barely pull the boat up on there. <laughs> that Just, way, when it breaks down, it makes it easier to load. There you go. <laughs> but, man, I, I look forward to, to doing another crawfish bowl like this again. It's going to be a lot of fun. Definitely going to be a recurring annual event. And, man, yeah. the size of some of those crawfish. Oh, my them things gosh. Huge. Like lobsters. Miniature lobsters, pretty much. Some of them were just about full size lobsters. I mean, some of them were what six inches long. Easy. Yeah, there there are some real good size ones in there. there. I you, mean, some of the biggest ones I ever seen in my life. I'll say there there were some you you could have gotten meat out of the claw on them. Were you not getting the meat out of the claw every time? <laughs> well, I didn't really eat didn't much because I was pops, helping cook. <laughs> I w- I was just twisting tails and sucking heads. That was it. I wasn't I was, trying I was to fight picking for claw the, meat. I was I was grabbing little out of the bigger ones, popping that little lollipop out of there and Yeah. Oh yeah, it's delicious. So is there a taste difference between the tail meat and the claw meat? Man, I don't know. Um, not 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 really, to, man. I mean yeah. it's it's such a small amount of meat that comes off that claw, it's Well, it, I just think about the difference in the in the taste of like when you're eating a uh, a crab, a taste and difference in the the little bit of meat you can get out of the body. Versus the the meat from the legs, yeah. You know it's funny about blue crabs though. <clears throat> I prefer the the meat from the body more than I actually do the the meat from that big claw in the blue crab. Like just as far as taste and texture, I know a lot of people love. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love when I get that big meaty lollipop out of there. But on blue crabs, I'm a I'm a body meat man. Man, mm. we need to set some <laughs> traps and and. Uh... There's plenty of places right here we can catch blue crab. Oh, I agree. I would love to catch some blue crabs. I would love to run blue crab traps. I would love to run some stone crab traps uh, when they're in season. And I mean, We can even do some shrimping. That is something that I have wanted to do for a long time but have never done. Same here. It's a... See, what, I'm a, I'm what, a, we, I'm, needed, well, oh, what we need to do is... Uh, is to uh, secure a small uh, private pond somewhere. So for next year, when I go grab them crawfish, we just start our own under pressure outdoors uh, crawfish pond. <laughs> yeah. Not go. just no, but hell no. We already got plenty of stuff that don't belong here. We're not going to introduce <laughs> the red crawfish are already in the state, but they're up. They're tiny. They're up in the uh, yeah. They're in the They're small and they're up north. So we're not really introducing. Oh, we're just making them better. That's right. They run everything off though. What if we put them in an above-ground pool? They would drown. Why? They live in the mud. They come up out of the ground. Like if you go to if you go to Louisiana, anybody so, that lives close to the water, you you'll see like go to their house and look in their front yard. If they got a ditch in their front yard, mm. you're gonna see little piles of sand popped up all over all over their yard, and they look like ant piles. But those are crawfish holes. They come up out of the ground. Hmm. I never knew that. See, now every time I've I've caught them, like in the creek in North Carolina and stuff like that, we've always found them like up underneath a rock in the creek. Yeah, I thought they had, I thought they I thought they were gill breathers. Hmm. Never really paid attention to the anatomy of crawfish. I, I'm just I'm just going off of what I've been told my whole life. I am not a crawfish expert. I just know how to cook them and I know how to eat them. But what I always been told is that you can't. You don't you don't leave them submerged. They come up for air or s- something along those lines because they don't they don't stay submerged. They live in mud. They don't really live in the water. They just eat in the water. 
I think so. And I've seen, I mean, I, I know what you're talking about because I've seen it before. I've seen it um, when I lived in Kentucky, uh, get down along the creek banks, and I've seen, like, um, when a field pond floods over and then the water recedes, you'll see the little mounds, and then usually you'll find, I found, like, crawfish bodies by there where they got picked off by some sort of predator or whatever. Um, yeah. So I know what you're talking about. But I don't, I guess I don't, I guess I ever put that, paid that much attention to it. When I was yeah. a kid, we always just like up in North Carolina, we go out, the, we'd take a vacation up there where we have family and down in the creek digging around. And it blew my mind the first time I saw what, a, how big a crawfish can actually be. Because when I was a kid, they're always like, eh, two and a half, a three one. inches was a big one. Yeah, they're different species, not all the same. Yeah. I didn't know that. I don't know why I can't. I imagine they're all edible. I can't imagine any of them are poisonous. But I think the red ones are the only ones that get hmm. big enough to make it worth your while. Yeah, I mean the the red ones you'll find like a K like when I say a K, I mean so rare like you'd probably never find one. But they got the blue ones, the little white. They got the white. You'll see them come like the albino ones, the white ones, and yellow. They're all the same species, that same red crawfish. But the only one I've ever, I've ever seen is yellow. Uh, but I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think there's like 500 different species of crawfish or something like that, which is just crazy to me that of all them 500, we've only found what one that tastes good so far. That's no way that's possible. You yeah, know, it's even crazier as I was looking up, um, like up until the nineties, the New Orleans or Louisiana was the, like supplied 90% of the world's crawfish. And now they're down to like 15 because the rest are all produced in Asia. Yeah. Yeah. The I think it's China. They figured out the red crawfish game and you know, apparently and they brought it over those there. Are, those are very tiny, super small crawfish from over there. And then most of your, your like all you can eat, like Chinese buffets when they got crawfish, those are all Asian crawfish, like from a, from over there, they're frozen. They're shipped here. They're small. They're just not very good. Um, but I think Louisiana still supplies like ninety percent of America's crawfish, or yeah. some eighty percent, something along those lines. They supply basically all of them. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. I mean, there's not too many people places outside of Louisiana where it's a regular thing. Maybe East Texas. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I know there's like a few spots here and there coming along the west coast of Florida, um, like down the panhandle, and there's a couple guys in like Tampa area. But to get crawfish from them, you're paying four fifty to $5 a pound, maybe even $6 at like peak season. And believe it or not, um, there's, there's a heavy – a fairly heavy population of like true Cajun restaurants all across California. And a lot of crawfish go over there. They get shipped over there. Hmm. Man, that's a fish out of water in California. No kidding. Yeah. They, uh, one of the best, one of the best crawfish a two phase I've ever had came from San Francisco. I was there. I ate at this little Cajun restaurant. Uh, looked like a little like mom and pop place, but it, was very well put together i can't recall the name of it because it was probably seven eight years ago uh but one of the best crawfish etouffee i've ever had like hands down 
maybe find one or two in Louisiana I can compete with it, but it was spot on. And then that's when I started researching, like, where's where's the Cajun and Creole foods fairly popular? And California's got a pretty good one. Obviously, like, the neighboring states, like Texas and all that, are going to have decent decent population of those. But uh, what I've been seeing a lot and I love is... Orlando in the central Florida area has really been blowing up like with the Cajun and Creole. I mean, we had, we have so many different restaurants, so many different places, food trucks all coming in and it's, it really is getting more like mainstream and people are starting to, to really realize it and realize how good it is and want it. And it's starting to spread, which is a good thing. But in my mind, it could be a bad thing because you don't want too many people like, oh, you've never even been to Louisiana, but you're going to try and start this just because it's a trend, and then they're going to give people a bad taste about it. But it is what it is, and I want it to blow up. I want it to get good, but I love every, almost everyone I've gone to here in Central Florida or Orlando has been uh, pretty decent or pretty pretty good. Uh, so I definitely am enjoying that I don't have to do a lot of cooking in order to go get a good meal from home. Well, who's, uh, in your opinion, why don't you name your top three? Give them a free <laughs> shout out here. Um, well, a lot of people, a lot of people hate on me for it, but I love them. Uh, Tibby's, dude. Tibby's oh. is definitely in mm. that top three. I love that place. I love their crawfish etouffee. That's a good place to go to get New Orleans food. There's another place, um, called Little New Orleans Kitchen, which is, in the not so good part of like Orlando, like in the, the bad part of OBT area, if y'all know what I mean, uh, like oh, the, yeah. uh, the, where all the strip clubs are, <laughs> there's this little place called little new Orleans kitchen. And, uh, my brother had got me a gift card there and I was pretty like skeptical of it. I think me and my wife went like the day the gift card expired and they had fresh Louisiana crawfish when we went. They were shipped in, and I, I questioned the lady. I was like, are these really fresh? And she showed me her, like, receipt, her order that they got dropped off that morning. That put that place in my top three automatically. <clears throat> and, oh, man, why can't – there's a place in Claremont, and it's slipping my – it's slipping it's, – uh, the thought just went out of my mind. If I can remember it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it up. But right now I just can't remember. It's in Claremont. Uh, so if any of you have heard of it or know what I'm talking about, feel free to shout it out. But if I remember it, I'll bring it up. That's all right. I mean, I'll back up Tibby's. I eat Tibby's fairly regularly. They don't have a whole lot on their menu, but it's good food, man. Like their Rita's chicken, that's, that's pretty powerful. And, uh, the only thing that I, I can't stand from them, unfortunately, and I don't know how they screw this up. A good restaurant is their bread pudding. Sorry, yeah. Tibby's, your I bread pudding you is terrible, but, uh, Frankly, though, there's a lot of people that probably shout me down. I think that the breast, the best bread pudding to come out of New Orleans is, uh, what's it called, Mom, Mom Papal's? This comes out of a box. But, man, for out of a box bread pudding, that stuff is awesome. You know and what I'm referring to, Rich? Yeah. Yeah. I, I do, actually. So if I've learned something in the – more recent years of my life and hunting expeditions is that I've been missing out on a lot of things just because either 
A, it looked ugly before I shot it, or B, it smelled nasty when I got it. When you cleaned it. More when I got a hold of it. Well, that's, that's one of the biggest ones right More there, right? a good example of that. It's a great example because they're both. Them. Yeah, well, they're ugly and they stink, but they taste delicious. That's another thing. Louisiana, man. Coots. Yeah. They will make some coot gumbo. Mm-hmm. I have heard more people talk about you talk about coots, and then you get some boys from Louisiana like, "Man, you ain't had good coot till you had it in a coot gumbo." You're like, "Son, that makes me want to make a coot gumbo." I think we should. But Ridge, what what I was getting at is, you know, I've had boudin, I've had crawfish. What are some of these other crazy Louisiana Cajun foods that that uh, I should be trying? Nutrirat. <laughs> Shut your mouth, man. That's just, I won't even eat that. <laughs> That's saying something right there. I mean, that, won't eat yeah. I've not tried it, but I, I'd get down on a new trap. I mean, why not? I'll eat a new trap if we cook it Shrek style, yeah. like he did, and where it's just on the stick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. Anything, so I ate my first Anything's possible. good in a sauce piquant. So, I mean, Jim made some crow, like literal crow. And you, you'd have thought mm-hmm. it was dang steak. Mm-hmm. Killer. It's great, man. Yeah, medium rare. Killer. On the grill. It's amazing. What, what kind of Louisiana food am I missing out on, though? Man, you are crawfish pies. Yeah. You, I don't I know that. if you know what that is. I don't, but, but it sounds it's good. Basically, think of a homemade, like, hot pocket. <laughs> fresh fried. Like, fresh fried, it's... Crawfish etouffee with some rice stuffed into a nice like filet dough, and it is just like it, there's nothing that screams like comfort food, but a craw- like a nice hot fresh fresh fried crawfish pie. Closest thing around here, but the seasoning is totally different, and the texture is different. Would be an empanada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, close to that. Oh, and I've had beignets too. Oh, beignets are awesome. Beignets are great. Yeah, but listen, mm. what's what's the cafe in New Orleans that has them? Dumont. Cafe Dumont. Cafe, cafe Dumont. Dumont. Son, just not like Tibby's. He's got some good beignets. There's, Tibby's beignets are actually really good. I don't know if you've had them yeah. fresh from Cafe Dumont. I have. They're never better. Ooh. So I have. The, I had them at Huey's on the Savannah River in Savannah, Georgia. Dude, and that, that, that place is, is great. I say that's a that's a Cajun style restaurant and it is killer they're so cajun good. chicken and waffles yeah for breakfast <laughs> mm. i'll fight a man <laughs> over a plate of those and then on top of that there's a coffee shop around there that that makes some some coffee like just some awesome coffees that's would it be chicory coffee no no it is not it's you a savannah cafe- coffee company Cafe, Cafe du Monde is the only place I drink. I don't really drink coffee, I've, but I drink chicory coffee every time I've, I'm there. I've, uh, they used to have have it at Publix from Cafe du Monde. They still do, I'm pretty sure. I hadn't seen it in a while. So I've got a fairly, it's a twisted pleasure regarding Cafe du Monde. <laughs> and, it, but, and, it, and I indulge it every time I go to New Orleans. Every time I go there, I'll get a table. And I just start watching people. I watch people. Already, kind of as a hobby, but a cafe du Monde, you just watch, and there's always somebody. It's their first time, and they get that beignet, 
with all that powdered sugar, and they open their mouth wide, and as they go to eat the beignet, they inhale. <laughs> and that powdered sugar goes straight down the windpipe, and, you know, it's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, they don't slack on the powdered sugar there, man. Not at all. No, man, God. but I just watch no, for it. Just where is, where is your... There's, ah, they're there. Pow. So crawfish pie, what else? Got to be something else. Um, man, if you're ever in... A lot of people will hate on it. A lot of people will will say it's nasty, but it takes a, a certain type of person. And I know there, I know one of y'all on this show has had it and is going to agree with me. In New Orleans, you got to get a real good muflada. Oh, oh man, yeah. you hit the nail on the head. Ain't There's only one place to get it, man. Oh man, Central Street Market. Exactly. Ain't nothing better than a nice muflada like. And you 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 you'll order if you never had one before you'll order a whole one, and you'll think how how the hell am I gonna eat this? That thing is huge. <laughs> this twice the size of your head. Yeah. Yep. What the heck is it? A delicious sandwich. Yeah. It's basically delicious. like a almost like an olive like tapenade like that's the chopped up chopped up olives like I couldn't tell you what goes in it man I've never made it never looked into it I just eat it. And feel horrible for eating a whole one by myself after. Hang but on. it is what it is. Right, so I don't know exactly how to describe the muffle out of bread, but it's round. Yeah. Oh, it's so and, good. Yeah, it's soft. It's white, round, soft bread. Then you got layers of ham and cheese that would, uh, similar to what you'd see like on a Cuban, mm-hmm. but different because it's it's gonna be tasso and things like that. And then some cheese, and then and then as Ridge mentioned. This this layer of olive dressing. It's like almost like an olive relish. Yeah, almost. it's more of a relish. Yeah. Bad though. Mm. I mean, I don't know if it's like a a true like New Orleans move a lot of, but if you want to like try one to get kind of a similar taste, McAllister's Deli has a move a lot of. Where's that at? I'm not sure around here. I've seen him before. I don't remember. Where well, you gonna go bring it up? Not tell us <laughs> yeah, where it's yeah, at. Like McAllister Dilly. I don't know where it's at, but I'm not. I don't remember because it's been a while. Google it. One. I'm fixing to. So, Ridge, you're gonna have to come and and join us this year because we're definitely doing a more hen fry. Uh, that'll be in what September? Probably September fourth. I think is the sat- first Saturday after Mohan opens. Yeah, so we'll go out open like we did last year. Went out opening day, uh, and. You're more than welcome to come join us on the boat. Bring a shotgun and some steel shot. You We're going to go out steel, there. You can shoot lead. Yeah. You can shoot lead That's at more hands. Yes, you can. See. Hmm. I didn't know that. They're not a migratory waterfowl. As we discovered the other night, they're not a migratory bird. No, they're they're definitely still there. Anyway, come out there. We'll, we'll kill a god-awful amount of these ugly birds. And then we will, you can kill 15 per person. Oh, dang. Uh, me and Briar last year stopped at 20 because we didn't have to clean 30 of them. <laughs> because they're, uh, you, you're trying to get the breast meat, you're getting about as much breast meat off of a, a moorhen as you are off of a dove. Okay. Not a lot. Mm, yeah, a little more. A little more, but not a not near as much as you get off like a duck. Nope. Um, but... The leg meat is also very good. You get a whole lot of leg meat off the legs. Uh, 
take them, clean them out, and take them over and fry them up. Go ahead, tell them where it's at, Briar. What is it? Um, let's see, there's one in the villages, one in Claremont, one in Ocala. All right, McAllister's down. Okay. I mean, I don't know if it's like a real mufalata, but it's still pretty good. I'll have to try it out. But uh, the moorhen fry, those are just some ugly little birds that smell like swamp when you get them in the boat. You better make sure it's dead before you grab it, because they got some freaking talons on them, man. And they will cut you. (laughs) They will cut you. Yeah. Like, I was thinking about sending Liberty on them this year, but I don't know, man. If we get one that's crippled, I might scare her off of retrieving altogether. Do it anyways. Uh, But we'll go out there and shoot them with shotguns, take them home, clean them up, put them in a bag, take them where we're going to do the moorhen fry, fry them up, eat some fried moorhen. Jim makes some killer hush puppies. Yeah, I'll be happy to host that at my house. Again. Yeah, Unless we, we got to get some tickets, more. tickets, then we're going to have to move it. But <laughs> <laughs> we keep it under 50, I'll host it. Uh, as long as Adam Steele's making them lettuce wraps out of the legs again, I'm, I'm down. We'll figure something out. <laughs> we got to get some more of that triple tail in there, too. Mm. Well, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. I'm going to give away 50 people triple worth of triple tail. It's <laughs> a whole summer's worth of fishing. <laughs> Those tickets are $75 a piece. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then uh it's it, you know it's a good time. Another great way to gather and then enjoy something that you we've gone out and harvested right here in the state of Florida. Yes. Yeah, that's wonderful. And do it all on the same day. Yeah. So it, it it's always a lot of fun and uh I know shoot what is it like a week or so? Then the the Swanee River trip's coming up. Swanee River trip. Uh, if you're doing the 50 mile, it'll be over by the time this comes out. We leave Wednesday. This one, this coming Wednesday. This it'll coming. be out, it'll be out on Monday. So this one's going out Monday. Yeah. Oh yeah. Then uh, we're leaving Wednesday, and uh, the 30 mile trip will will take off on Friday, right from Swanee River Park. Yeah. So Swanee that's River coming State up Park. here. But. Don't miss out on that. We'll have to throw my canoe in Williams' truck because I don't have a truck yet. <laughs> what, uh, at the end of every episode, episode, we like to do the Under Pressure Outdoors tip of the week. Ridge, you got a, you got a tip for us? Oh, man. Um, <sighs> just the tip. Would have been great if you told me, uh, told it's me all right. I, I, I got one. Up. All right. Um, I'll circle back to what I said earlier. You can't be afraid to try something just because it doesn't look good. Because there's a lot of foods I've found that, or either they don't look tasty when you look at them, or you've been told your entire life, like crow, that people say eat crow, you make you think it's nasty. It's not. There, There's plenty of stuff out there that is seemingly unappeasing that is absolutely delicious. And if you don't at least try it once, you'll never know if you like it or not. And I always say, try it twice, but don't try it by the same cook twice if you didn't like it the first time. <laughs> because some people will make stuff and it's just the way they cooked it that tastes absolutely terrible. So don't be afraid to try those new wild game foods and all kinds of neat stuff. Jordan, yeah. what do you got? You have to circle back to me. I got one. So this one's for the masses. So if you uh, 
if you ever go through a McDonald's drive-thru and you ask for a lar- for an ice cream cone, you'll notice that there's only one price, which might lead you to think there's only one size. But I've recently learned that's not true. If you're going through the McDonald's drive-thru and you want an ice cream cone, ask for a large. And what you will get is a large ice cream cone. <laughs> but if you just go through McDonald's and say, I would like an ice cream cone, you're just going to get a little itty-bitty ice cream cone. So don't get confused. They don't have just one size. It's all one price, <laughs> just like their soft drinks. Hashtag life hack. Yeah. <laughs> Pro tip of the week. Jordan Breyer? I got one. I'll go. Yeah, for... People, a lot of people say there's an off season in, in hunting season. You know, usually hunting season's the fall. That could be further from the truth. It's always something to do, whether it's you know deer hunters planting food plots or checking trail cameras. I mean, even for like ducks. I mean, we can go find. There's wood ducks that are here right now, and you can go look and watch wood ducks fly. And see where they're going in now, because they're probably going to be feeding somewhere close. If not right there, they'll be somewhere in the area. And you can go back and look and see. Maybe there's another way to get to where you were going before. Maybe there's just something you didn't see in the the winter that you'll see in the summertime. Or in the spring. And something else you could find, or another something else that you can tell that they're eating on. Something like that. There's always something to do. Fixing the boat. Pattern the shotgun. Shooting clays. Target practicing with a bow. It's always something you can do in the off-season to get you ready. Maybe make you a little bit better for next season. You know, yeah. we're actually quite fortunate here in the state of Florida that you can literally hunt year-around. Because yeah. we don't have a season on Rabbits, hogs, or hogs. So, I'm gonna throw this out here: is that you know a lot of people you think they're going, hey man, we're gonna have a crawfish boil or a crab boil, or don't settle for frozen, right? Because you can go to Publix, you can buy you some frozen crawfish or some frozen crab, or man, frozen doesn't it don't even hold a flame to fresh. Or live, for that matter of fact. <clears throat> Not even close, and I, I, I'd back that any day. And uh, if uh, I guess I, I, I will, I will say I did, uh, did want to give a little shout out and thanks to, uh, to my dad just for putting up that that rental car for us and making that trip a lot easier, making sure we kept a lot of those crawfish because uh, we got we we're able to get an SUV. And uh, donating that, just donating that to us and giving us that opportunity. And a uh, little shout out to him, a little appreciation, words of appreciation. Yeah, man, it wouldn't have been possible without him. Wouldn't have been near as good. Nope. Yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah. We should probably also thank all the people that were kind enough to make a donation uh, to the Florida chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers and uh, one lucky gent. In fact, he found us just through, I guess you might say, our Facebook advertising and showed up at the crawfish boil and took home a cooler foot of goose. Yeah, yeah his daughter his, did and bought two tickets and brought him with her. And uh, 
yeah, he took home a how big was that eco cooler? Twenty quart. Twenty quart eco cooler slam packed full of stuff. Yeah, I think man. it was overflowing, wasn't it? All it kinds was. of goodies, yeah. yeah. Onyx membership. Baseball hats, uh, T-shirts, 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 wine. Yeah, we we know how to give it away. But uh, that yielded another two hundred eighty dollars to backcountry hunters and anglers. So between uh, uh, between the crawfish boil and the story night and the night before, how much did we raise for the all all told, including memberships or upgrades in membership, um, giveaways, uh, uh, food that was sold, the whole nine yards. It was uh, north of three thousand dollars, so Jeez. I think cl- probably closer to thirty five hundred, but definitely over three bills. So that's good. UPO holding it together. So you guys make sure that you know you you can also donate to the Florida chapter by going down to the link at the bottom of this. You'll see the join BHA link. You can click there and join if you're living in Florida. You're part of your Membership fees will go to the Florida chapter, as well as the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, Ang- Backcountry Hunters and Anglers Collective. Um, and then you need to make sure that you're also going down there and following our Facebook page and joining the podcast community, Under Pressure Outdoors, the group, uh, to make sure you get updates on these sweet events because we are grinding away and getting ready to do a wood duck box build, which is going to be completely free uh, to everybody. Just come out and... Bring help your us. mama them. Yeah, help us That's put together right. some wood duck boxes. Bring the kids out. I uh, got about five be that need to be put out right now. Yeah, your mama, your uncle, your kids, bring them all. We're going to go through how to put them together, how to put them out, and then how to, um, what you should be doing to check on them, maintenance of the wood duck box. Man, I looked in one today, and I got it had a wasp sting me through my shirt. Well, that's what you get. Yep. <laughs> you learn to carry a wasp spray in your boat? I did now. <laughs> there's, a, there's an extra under pressure. There's a, yeah, there's a tip you. of the day. You always learn something. <laughs> right? But, uh, so you make sure you're following our page because that's where those events get posted first. And uh, we're going to get those wood duck boxes out. We're going to maintain those and give some updates throughout. We're a little late getting them out this year, but they'll be prime and ready for the next year when they're laying and uh yeah rich thanks for joining us this week man and and thanks for putting forth all the effort to get all those crawfish cooked yeah man it wouldn't have been possible without you guys what, yeah, do, you think about, what do you think about a I'm floating this idea you gotta figure out if there's an appetite amongst the under pressure faithful but what do you think about a july shrimp throwdown of some kind i'm in for it is this going to be 4th of July weekend kind of thing? What are you thinking? Maybe 3rd of July. 3rd of July. 3rd of July I, I, is I mean, Saturday. I hadn't looked at quite the dates. I'm thinking, yeah, probably somewhere. Well, I'm down for that. Corner. That sounds good. Yeah, it's, it's going, it's it's in the back of our minds. And it's going to happen. We'll figure out the date here coming up. And we'll get that event out there. That's a whole other reason just to make sure you're liking the Facebook page, joining the group, listening to the podcast. All that good stuff. And if you guys want to know how you can really help us out, and the best thing you can do is tell your friends about the podcast. Tell them about the Facebook group. Get them joining. Invite all your friends to the Facebook group. And leave a review. And leave a review. Still stands that if you write a review and send me your mailing address, I'll send you stickers. Uh, That is until 
I run out of stickers. But I do believe we have some new reviews this week, so let me do that before we go ahead and cut this out. I'm going to write 100 reviews. You can only write one unless you make multiple usernames. I'll do it. So I have one. A new five-star review from Sheepdog5749 from the South. Thanks for offering a nice variety of content, education, conservation, and stories about experiences in all aspects of the outdoors. Keep up the great work. Five stars. Sweet. So they just keep rolling in. That's great. Good stuff. Like I said, you write us a review. Sheepdog. Yeah. Give us your address. Yeah. Jump on the Facebook page and shoot us a message. Give us your address. We'll send you some stickers. But until next week, you guys have a great one. Ridge, thanks for joining us. Yes, sir. See you all later.